or as some of our team members would say, it's been a minute and I got to keep up with the jargon, you know, got to keep young. Um, but happy Mother's Day to all the amazing moms out there, to all the mom figures and just people that are out there that are that are loving their children no matter what it is. And we just want to honor you today. You've set the floor for us to flourish in what we do. As a mom, I can tell you this week and maybe the last month, there's been whispers in my house. And it's been pretty funny. Every time I would walk into a room, it was always like, shh. That's all you would hear. Shh. It's like an elephant in the room. You know what I mean? Not, not that I'm the elephant, but it was like an elephant in the room. And I've learned that over the past 13 years, um, being married is I've always ruined surprises for my husband. And I'm sure he'll tell you the same. My cousins will tell you the same. But I've made a conscious decision that I won't ruin it for my kids. So moms, hope you get spoiled today. But today I want to talk to you about my boy, Moses. I, that's like my go-to story when I'm facing challenges in my life, when I'm not sure of who I am. My go-to person, my go-to Bible story is Moses because he's fearless in a time, at that moment, in that season, in that nation, he was fearless. God is going to open up some doors today. Do you believe that? God is going to break out and he's going to give you your identity shift because identity crisis is a thing. I just want to look it up, okay? I'm not looking up. I want to read what identity crisis is. Identity crisis is a development event that involves a person questioning their sense of self or place in the world. It was one of the most important conflicts that people face. Can you imagine? It's one of the most conflict that you and I as people is what we face. So let's look at this, okay? So the Egyptians made life hard for the Israelites. They put slave masters over them who forced the Israelites to, to build the cities, okay, the two names, Fitum and whatever, as supply centers for the king. Verse 12, but the harder of the Egyptians forced the Israelites to work, the more the Israelites grew in number and spread out. So the Egyptians became very afraid of them and demanded even more of them. There is a battle that's happening here. And here, what we have seen here is that the Egyptians are so threatened by what is happening and the multiplication that is happening in the Israelites. So what happens here is, at that time, the, the Egyptians had come and said, if your firstborn is a boy, it's gone. When I say it's gone is they're going to kill it. And I'm sorry to say it's very dry. It's very sad. And for three months, this mother carried and, and, and just made sure that it would be safe from what was happening around them for three months. And at three months, the mother knew she had to protect this child. She had to come to a place where she had to do what's best for the child. And she had to place her desires aside and release her son in hope and faith that God will lead him. So here is this boy, okay, trusting in the mom, three months old. And the mom is like, God, you, you need to take him. And in that faith, she puts him, wraps him up, puts him in the river, and lets him go down the river. Can you imagine how that mom must have felt? Watching her baby boy walk, going down a river. And, you know, if you look up Moses, it is said now to, to the meaning of the of the word of the name Moses is to draw out. And that is what Pharaoh's daughter did. She drew him out. She drew him out of the river. And it's so important. You see that 
Even when he was born, he was named, and he was named to draw out. And Pharaoh's daughter, Pharaoh, the Egyptian leader's daughter, pulls him out. You know, it's a nice story. It's a nice story. You know, God always pulls us out. God always takes us because at the end of the day, our identity comes from God. It doesn't come from around us. You know, if we look at the story of Moses, it's a beautiful story. But you see, this is like identity crisis to the max. Moses was born a Hebrew, but he was being raised by the Egyptians. Talk about that identity crisis. He doesn't fit in both realms. He doesn't fit in both worlds. He was born a Hebrew, but raised in the palace of Egypt. So the struggle was inside and outside. His struggle inside was around the fact that Hebrew blood ran through his, through his veins. But the struggle outside was that there was slavery happening for 400 years. And if Moses was to, you know, go with the Egyptians, he's getting rid of his birth. If, but if he was to go with the Israelites, he's going to get killed. And he's standing there trying to figure out what it is. And in his rage and in his identity crisis, at 40 years old, he lashes out and kills an Egyptian slave. Can you imagine having such a crisis that you lash out? And, 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 and you don't have anywhere else to turn, and so you run. And today in this society, that's what it is. When we're trying to face things, when we're trying to go through things, we're stuck in a place and we don't know where to turn to, we lash out and we run. For 40 years, Moses wanders. He has a child, he gets married, but he wanders. And in Exodus 3, we see Moses encounters Jesus. Okay, Exodus 3, 2. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from within a bush. He looked and the bush was ablaze with fire, but it was not being consumed. Verse 7. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. After 400 years, okay, the Lord is saying, I have seen. I have heard their cry because of their taskmaster, and I feel their sorrows. Verse 8. I have come down to deliver them from the land of this Egyptian and to bring them from that land to a land that is good and spacious, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 10. So now go and I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Verse 11. Okay, here we go. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go or that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God replied, verse 12, okay? Surely I will be with you and let this be the sign to you that I have sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you and they will serve God at the mountain. Verse 14, here we go. God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, you must say this to the Israelites. I am has sent you. Can you imagine Moses? So he ran away. But 40 years later, God is coming to him and saying, Hey, Moses, dude, I haven't forgotten you. And he came in such a way that it was dropped like in a burning bush. We might not have that burning bush in front of us. But you see, even after 40 years, even after he ran away, God still sought out for him because he had a purpose and he had something that he needed to do. Some of us were out there and we're like, God, you've forgotten me. 
you know, we've taken things into our own hands and we're like, God, you've forgotten me. But no, God is still there. God is still wanting you to fulfill the purpose he has for you. He is still there because he wants you to do something in the season. And Moses, he replies as a human, who am I to stand before these people, God? And you want me to lead these people? I don't fit in. All Moses saw was his weakness. All Moses saw was his insecurities. Some of us look at ourselves and wonder, who am I? Who am I though? In our darkest pain, in our nighttime thoughts, we question who we are and we struggle with who in our own strength we have become. All we see is our weakness and our weakness gets zoomed a hundred times in. Now I would ask my husband to zoom in a hundred times, but we don't want to do that. But our weakness gets zoomed a hundred times in. And we get, we just focus on that. We just focus on our insecurities. But God is like, don't look at your weakness. I don't look at your weakness. What we focus on is what becomes important to us. When we focus on our weakness, it becomes bigger than our strengths. When we focus on our weakness, it devalues the strength that we do in fact have. It devalues the strengths. You know, raising kids, not easy, by the way. You know, we learn our strengths and our weaknesses, and you know, we gotta understand our kids' weaknesses. In my eyes, my kids are perfect. They're, they're perfect. And the thing is, I wanna be clear here. You see how I said understand? Because it's so easy for us to look at people's faults. But these are my babies. They have things that are amazing and they have things that maybe they're not the greatest at. But that doesn't mean that I love them any less, or I believe in them any less. We choose to focus on their strength to help them build character. And we choose to work on their weaknesses to help them move past it. Strength helps build character. Encouragement helps build motivation. Whereas speaking down to someone can snip away at their character. Character, not purpose. Our purpose comes from God. Nobody else can come up in here and tell me what my purpose is. Only God can do that. And we saw there in verse 14, God said to Moses, I am that I am. And in, in that time of being reminded of that, and Moses is sitting there and like, who am I, God, that you want me to lead these people into freedom? Who am I, God, that you love me no matter what my faults are? Let me remember, Moses killed a guy and ran. So he is in his insecurity, in his weakness. Who am I, God? You see, in your weakness, God's power is magnified. There isn't nothing wrong with your weakness. It's a stepping stone to redeeming your victory. We are all faced with the who am I struggle, with the who am I, and then we mix it with the fear, and then we just shut down. Every time Moses in Exodus said, who am I? God always replied with I am. Because it's that simple. I am. God is saying I am. I am 
am your refuge. I am your shelter. I am your strong tower. I am your pillar. I am who you need. I am who you say I am. And God is saying, I am it for you. That's all you need is him. It's Moses. It's not about your weakness and your insecurity. It's about my strength. It's about God's strength. So we may be asking who we are, but we need to understand who he is so that we can get past our identity crisis. Because when we understand who he is, our identity shifts. Because we are made in his image. Because when we understand him, it unlocks our identity. When we understand him, we look past us and we see him. Moses had that encounter in the burning bush. And while our encounter may not look like a bush, it could come in any form. Where we suddenly take on the identity of how God viewed us to be. And who did God view us to be? Let me just read out some verses here. I am a child of God, 1 John 3, 2. I am anointed with the Holy Spirit, John 2, 27. I am the salt of the earth, Matthew 5, 14. I am love. I am, I am, I am. And guess what? I am who he says I am. So the creator has said these things about me because I am who he says he is. If you want to understand who we are in purpose and destiny and identity, then we got to know who God is. Everything prior to the encounter left him empty. Remember, he ran. But when we encountered God, when Moses encountered God and his presence in that burning bush, it gave him clarity. It gave him purpose. All the questions happened and changed with one encounter. Just that one encounter, the emptiness was removed because it was filled with the presence of God. Where are you standing today? Are you feeling that you don't know what's happening here and there and you don't know who you are? Let me tell you right now, God wants to encounter you. You know, we went through a series of encounters and we went through a series of fearless. But in that series, the thing that ties it together is your identity. Your identity comes from Christ. That doesn't change by your circumstance. That doesn't change by your situation. Your identity comes from Christ. So you may do amazing things in your life, but those don't define you. God does. Okay? Encountering God gives you context to your life. Okay. All right, let's fast track, okay? Here we go. Moses Now, we're still in Moses. Moses goes back and then he's now leading the Israelites to the land of milk and honey, okay? So we looked at that in in chapter 3, I think verse 11. We're going to take you to a peaceful place. We're going to go milk and honey. Can you imagine what that looks like? Milk and honey. That means it's a place where these Israelites will finally find his refuge. And guess what happens? You know, when we're walking nicely and we're having a great time... And, you know, life's going great. And then what do they say? When life throws lemons, make lemonade. Well, guess what? Here is a Red Sea spank right in their way to the land of milk and honey. Now, let me tell you something. God knows about our situation. God knows before we do what's ahead of us. So God would have known that there's Red Sea sitting right in front of their way. So 
here they are. They're coming to the land of milk and honey and there's a Red Sea. And some of us saw Red Sea could be our boyfriend and girlfriend. Some of us saw Red Sea could be our finances and our parents or our career. It's our Red Sea. We all have a sea in front of us. And as we read through Exodus, we see God's planning, giving the instructions to Moses. You see, embedded within the instructions is a promise of victory. Embedded within the instructions is a promise of victory. You see, God knew that there's a Red Sea right there. But embedded in that journey, he's saying you're victorious. God knows that you have a financial issue right here. But embedded in overcoming is your victory. There's a journey and there's a victory that you need to overcome. In the path of our failures is a promise of victory. Because he said he will. We don't have to manufacture it. We don't got to produce it. All we got to do is claim it. We got to claim what has already been given to us. Like if we flip through the Bible, if I go through the Bible right now from beginning to end, what happens in Revelation? Are we reading the same Bible? It's done. The victory's already done. The battle has already been won. It's a done deal. So if we're looking at what God is doing, the victory has already been done. The victory has been given to us. So when we come to the Red Sea in front of us, we got to change the mentality from fighting for victory to fighting from victory. Let me say that again. We are fighting from a place not for victory because it's already been done. But we are fighting up to a place from victory because it is done. You see, when we look at this, I am not fighting to win because I've already won. God has already said I've won. But I had to understand that by taking on the word of God, by taking on my identity, just so I can go to the enemy and be like, hey, this Red Sea, I'm fighting from victory because I know who I am. And I am who he says I am. So let's piece it together. Encounter, identity, and victory. There's no room in there for fear. False evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R. And I'm not here to say that we don't have fears. We all got fears. And your fear, my fear, my fear is way different than your fear in this season in our life. But when we dwell on the promises of God, when we dwell from the victory, the obstacle of fear shrinks and our faith builds. Our obstacle of fear shrinks and our faith builds because why? We have taken on the identity of Christ because he is who he says he is. Exodus 14, 13, here we go. Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord that he will provide for you today. For the Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you can be still. So before we unpack this a bit, I want to say this. 400 years of slavery. And God is saying here in verse 13, you will never have to see them again. What an amazing promise. Now, do you think, you know, the Israelites in the middle of this whole thing, okay? They're standing here, 
and they're at the Red Sea. The Egyptians are probably ganging up all around them, probably coming from the behind and from the forward, I don't know, maybe from the left and the right. And here, in this moment, when all the Israelites are seeing are Egyptians coming after them, Moses is saying, do not fear, be still, and look. And then on top of that, he says, you'll never see them again. Now, I don't know. You know, the Israelites are probably looking around, be like, really? You're going to see all these people? Okay, Moses. Okay. How do you be fearless in a time like that? When everything around you does not look like it's going to be coming into accordance with the way we want it to be. So how to be fearless? Listen to all of the, uh, the last <laughs> series about uh, fearless. And before that, go back to the encountering part. But it's a good thing to have a reminder that to be fearless, we got to know our identity and who he is. You can decide if you want to stay and let it cripple you. It's a decision you have to make. You see, the Israelites are walking, the Red Sea's in front of them, and they have a decision to make. They can stand and be fearful. Okay, we're gonna unpack the verse in a bit, but the enemy knows that fear will cripple you. The enemy has no problem with you hearing the word of God left, right, and center. Wednesday Connect Group, Sunday Online Experience, maybe a podcast that you listen to while you're working out, I don't know. The enemy has no problem with you getting fed with these, you know, the motivational words, but the enemy has a problem when you put one foot in front of the other. When you take a change and make something happen, you see, that's when the enemy will rear up and do something. Listening to the word of God, feeding our soul and feeding our soul and our mind and blah, 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 not doing anything, that doesn't worry the enemy. But taking steps with what God wants Taking steps and knowing our identity, now that poses a threat. When we take the step, the blessing is this much closer. Do you get that? When I take a step, when I take a step into my promises, that blessing that God has promised me, that land of milk and honey, is mine. But you see, just like the Israelites, they had to overcome that sea to get to the land of milk and honey. And in that same way, you might have to overcome the sea in front of you to get to your blessing. And when you get there, it could be a shower of just refreshing, of renewing. It could just be a shower of just being in that presence of God. But you got to put one foot in front of the other. But you see, Moses, he probably had multiple choices, but two of them that stand out right now is one, let me run. And two, let me face it. And you see, that option, the option number two that looks like the biggest, biggest issue, the biggest, you know what I mean, the biggest thing that you have to fight, that's usually where your blessing of milk and honey will come from. And some of us, of course, pray. Don't just be like, oh, oh, that's the, that's the biggest one. I should just jump in there. No, 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 no. <laughs> you need to pray. You need to pray and ask God, what am I supposed to do? You know, planting this church, I can just tell you it's fear, 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 fear. And then there was a nice little bow that marked fear. Why? Because we are stepping out 
not in our own understanding, but in the, we're standing and having faith that God is going to transform. And some of us, when we are trying to deal with things, we, we just kind of get scared at the situation in front of us. So we see the fear and we just back off. But that's when we need to turn and be surrounded with people that, will know, that know who God has called you to be. Be with people that God has called that will speak into your life to pull you out of the Red Sea and make you step back and be like, oh, look past it, my dear. Because when you look past it is where the milk and honey is. Be fearless. Okay, next part that Moses says, what does he say? Do not fear, stand firm. All right, be still. Some of us are like, excuse me? How do you be still? And you know, with us being at home, people are working from home, I started work full time again. You know, it's hard to be still. Even though we're working from home, there's a lot going on. And moms, we juggle a lot. We'd be cooking with one hand, and then with the spare hand, we're feeding the dog. And then with the, you know, while the dog is eating and the water and the pasta boil is boiling, we're washing the dishes and letting that rinse while entertaining our baby. But God is saying, be still. And we're probably like, God, I don't got, I don't got time to be still. But you see, in the stillness, and that doesn't mean that we don't move forward. That doesn't mean we just stand there and be like, okay, God is saying to me still. No, that's not what it means. It means to listen to the small voice of God. You see, in that moment, at the Red Sea, the people are coming, and Moses is like, stand still. So here, as I said, probably from the front of them. Well, they can't come from the front of them. <laughs> the Red Sea's there, but probably from the left, from the right, from behind them. They're all coming for these people. And in that moment, all Moses could say was stand still. And people are probably like, what do you mean, Moses? I got a stone here. Do you want me to pick up the stone? Oh my goodness, Moses, I can make a knife. Let me sharpen this. Let me make a knife in this moment. Oh my goodness, Moses, I can find a piece of wood. Let me get ready to attack. And at that moment, Moses is like, be still. And the Israelites are probably like, what do you mean? You don't want me to lean on my own understanding of what seems to be a suitable solution to what's coming? You don't want me to just go and do something out of my understanding, but you want me to contradict my flesh? And Moses is like, yup. Get out of your head. Not what your mind thinks you should do or what you would do, but plant your feet and stand still. Now, can you imagine this? Plant your feet and stand still. After a long day at work, let me tell you, when I go upstairs, so my, I work from downstairs in the basement. When I go upstairs, and there's chaos. So my kids are ready for dinner. I got three kids running around getting ready for dinner. After dinner, you know, we do our bedtime routine, put them to bed, everything's all going. At the end of that, and then we do our church and men stuff, and Pastor D and I, we, we plan and we dream, and you know, we write stuff down. And at the end of that, if Pastor D came to me and said, okay, babe, stand, just stand there. Do you think I'd rather be standing? No, no. I'd rather have my behind supported by something. I'd rather sit. It's a lot of effort to stand. I'd rather be supported.
you see, Moses says, stand still. Bring your body into alignment. Because when you're standing still, it does something to your posture. You're standing still on the victory of God. You're standing still on the promises for your life. That is what Moses is saying to stand still. Stand still on the foundation that God is going to overcome for you. Because the victory you are battling is not for victory, but it's from victory. We got to stand in the posture to take on that Red Sea. Now, can you imagine if this Israelites were like, oh, let me go sit over there for one second. One second, let me sit. Let me be supported. No, no. You think they would have overcome? No. And that is why Moses is like, bring your body into alignment. And then he says, and see. You know, some of us, we tend to not see. We tend to just survive. Open our eyes and see how God is going to respond to this. That's what Moses is saying. Open our eyes and let's see how God is going to do this. You see, when we had our dogs, uh, we used to have my, our baby, our German shepherd. His name was Cody. He passed away, but he was our delight. And then we have a Chihuahua mixed Pomeranian and Biscuit. Biscuit's still with us. He's such a beautiful, beautiful, cute dog. Um, and then we have our three. But you see, that started a cycle of being tired. And after Cody and then Biscuit, and then I got pregnant with our beautiful boy, Zach. And after that, you know, we lost sleep there too. <laughs> it's a cycle, okay, of not sleeping. So things start to get blurry. Then we have our beautiful daughter, Amelia. And even after that, sleep kind of got not there. But then Zion. I don't even know our first three months how that worked out with Zion. I am gonna tell you, if it wasn't for the photos and the videos that Pastor D had taken, I don't even know if we would remember half of the, the three months when Zion was born. It was such a rush. He was in the hospital. We would literally just, and I was, I was you know, trying to provide milk for him in the way I could. And it was such a rush. It was such a blur. I'm not gonna lie. And some of us, that's where we're at. We're just living life. And we're just letting it go by and everything's just a blur. And that's how we are. We are so caught up with everything else. We are so tired to focus on what God is doing right now. And we miss it. And here you see Moses is saying, be watchful. Can you imagine, as Moses, I'm in Exodus now, okay guys? Can you imagine Moses is raising the staff as God is through the, the, the power of that staff is splitting the Red Sea if the Israelites were sleeping? Can you imagine as, as the Israelites were walking through the Red Sea, water, water, and they were not paying attention? Can you imagine as you are overcoming and God is giving you promise after promise after words and after words and you are sleeping. It's already given to you. The Bible is already given to you. And God is saying just to take it. Take hold of who you are. Because I am who I am. And you are who he says you are. I am who he says I am. 
That's not it. Moses' identity crisis. Can you imagine if he said no? The Israelites were brought into the land of milk and honey because he overcame his identity and he took a hold of who God is. He was able to redeem and go back. He squashed what we now call cancel culture. It's crazy how the Bible foretells certain things. Moses went back into an area where I'm sure he was not appreciated. He went back to redeem his people into the land of milk and honey and I'm sure it wasn't easy. It's not easy to block out our past hurts. But God wants us to face it and deal because of his yes and his amen. He is a world changer that brought the Israelites into freedom. Who are you today? What are you saying no to? If only you say yes and be fearless and say yes to who he says you are. Let me wrap it up with Moses' mom, okay? I don't want to forget about the moms and the, the, the significance of this woman. Let's bring it back to the root. She was an instrument to God's purposes in the life of Moses and then the nation of Israel. She had no idea of the trajectory of the life of all these Israelites. Her one act of faith in God changed the trajectory of the people of Israel. Her one action of faith changed the outcome of these Israelites. Even though sometimes we might not see our motherly care, I'm talking about mothers here, or our parental care, and acts in which we engage towards our children could benefit others, we never might know what acts of faith may impact future generations in significant ways. We might not know that, but one act of faith could change a generation. So consider the example of Moses' mom and diligently pursue the purposes God has for you in the lives of your children. You don't need to be a parent to understand that your one act of faith can change the trajectory of the future generations. Your one act of faith can get rid of that Red Sea in front of you. God did it through Moses because Moses went, will you? And if that is you today, if you are out there and this word is just like tingling in your heart because you want to take on this God identity because God says you are loved. God says you are valuable. God says you are precious. God calls you royal priesthood. You are already bred into royalty. That's what God says you are. It doesn't change because our God is faithful. I just want you to pray this with me because God wants you to know you are loved, okay? You are wonderfully made and you are valuable. So if that's you right there, let's just pray together. God, thank you for every single person that has um, wanting a change in their life, that is wanting to get rid of this obstacle. God, I pray that they will take on the fact that we are to move from victory, God, that we are to take steps of action. God, I pray that as we close the this fearless series and we move into the series of a family God I pray that our identity becomes more relevant more evident in our lives God we give every single person out there in Jesus name
message really spoke to me. Make sure to like, follow, and subscribe to stay in the loop with us. We'd love, we'd love to connect with you. Message us, especially if you made a decision to follow Jesus. If you like our church, we'd love for you to meet some of our team members right now on Zoom. Details will be in the chat. It's a relaxed hangout. We have fun. We build meaningful relationships and friendships. I've recently joined the team during this pandemic and I love it. I absolutely love it. Everybody's very supportive of each other and we're there as a team, as a family, and just 
as a like companion. So, so there's room for you too. If you have any questions, join us on Zoom right now. Okay, have a great day, bye.